This program is brought to you by Genly Productions. At genlyproductions.com, you can find resources for off-map thinkers and makers, including home study courses, books, and accessories. You can also join our free Emerging Icons video series or subscribe to receive articles and updates in your inbox. Genly Productions, because there are no blueprints for journeys like ours. I'm Jen Lee, and you're listening to Retrospective. I'm so happy to be here today speaking with Michael Nobbs, who is the creator of SustainablyCreative.com and the author and illustrator behind his latest book, Drawing Your Life. Michael, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much for inviting me, Jen. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so magical to me that we have this way that we can talk across so many miles and oceans even it's very exciting the the internet for me i just i'm so glad i'm alive now i think uh yes i think my life would be very different if i'd been living it 20 years ago and kind of trying to do what i'm doing now without it because it's made such a difference to me it has and um here's what i want to do i want to introduce people give people a little introduction to you and your story and um And then after that, then we can talk about why I think your work is so great. (laughs) Is that good? (laughs) That sounds good to me. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, And all the things I love about it. So I would love for you to share. um, I'm first I want to say I've come to your work rather recently and I have this feeling and this belief that we tend to find our right people and we tend to find each other at the right times. And it just felt like the right time for me when I discovered you and your work. And your website, Sustainably Creative, is all about how to have a creative life inside time or energy constraints, which so many people can relate to. And um, I could especially relate to it in the moment that I came across your work because um, my husband had, as I mentioned, I think in the form there, my husband had broken his ankle and his leg and, um, and I have two young daughters. And so I was kind of suddenly overnight caring for three people around the clock. And, um, and it, it was just a great comfort to me. And one thing I was really intrigued by was your story. And I wondered if you could share with us a little bit about that um, because you do talk about having a chronic health condition um, and and how that's been connected to your creative journey. Yes, well, about, I think probably it was about, about 1997, uh, I was diagnosed with something I can't pronounce, also called chronic fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome. It has a, has a much longer medical name, which I've never been able to pronounce. Uh, but basically it means, I often think of it being like a really old rechargeable battery, uh, one that you kind of plug in every night to recharge, but uh, in the morning it's only got a little tiny bit of charge in it, so it doesn't burn for very long. And uh, that's what I'm like. Well, that's, that's certainly what I was, I was very much like that. Um, for a lot of kind of the early 2000s and slowly over time kind of my energy has improved but I still have uh, I've still got very definite kind of energy limits uh, so I've learned over time uh, to have a creative life that works within those limits I've learned to work um, 
in small ways, but do it regularly. And that way, over time, I, I kind of build up work. And I've been lucky enough to build to build a creative career as well. And at what point did you start drawing? Uh, that was quite well. Uh, actually, not that recent anymore. <laughs> it was about two thousand and four uh, when I was first diagnosed. I spent a lot of time in bed, and a friend of mine very kindly gave me Julia Cameron's *The Artist's Way*. And uh, I remember when I was at school, I was always very, very jealous of my friends who had sketchbooks and were doing art courses. And I used to buy loads and loads of sketchbooks, but I only ever wrote in them. I never drew in them. I was too scared to draw. And uh, when I read The Artist's Way, I began to sort of think, oh, perhaps, perhaps, I, could, perhaps I could be a bit of an artist if I tried. And I, I did. I kind of started to make very, very bad drawings. And at some point, I was brave enough to go to a drawing class just once a week when I kind of my energy allowed. I didn't make it every week, but I kind of went whenever I could. And kind of slowly, I kind of, uh, I got to, I kind of thought, well, perhaps I can do this. And uh, I kept going until, uh, until it got a bit better. I think a lot of us tend to give up on ourselves when we're in the bad drawing phase. I think so. I think of a it's, new um, that's a painful part to push through. It is. And also, I, mean, I still have that. I mean, because it's really interesting because I was working for such a long time on the book and now I'm working on kind of promoting the book. I spent very little time actually drawing. And the other day I picked up a pen and tried to draw and it was dreadful. And, it, and I feel I'm glad that I've had all those times that it's been dreadful before that I know if I keep going, it will get better again. Um, it is. I mean, it's. I, I. I firmly believe that anyone can draw. It's just about learning to see things properly, and then you kind of have to get the coordination right between your eyes and your your hands. Um, but it's it's not like riding a bike. You don't just get on. Well, for me, it's not. You don't just get back on and it's fine. You can do it again. I kind of have to kind of almost relearn every time I I have a gap. So that can be a little bit unsettling. <laughs> well, and like you mentioned, there's also a way that once you start undertaking projects instead of simply just having a daily practice that our work can become kind of seasonal where certain seasons become dominated by phases of those projects have you found yes, that yes definitely definitely and it's quite a new thing for me to realize actually because for a long time i was i was living this almost I- ideal life i suppose when i was kind of i was drawing every day i was blogging a bit about it and it was lovely and at some point it sort of turned into a bit of a business and then other stuff started to happen around that and and kind of the actual the actual maintenance work almost becomes bigger than the creative work and that's something i'm thinking about a lot at the moment i really want to get back to being able to be more creative but at the same time, it's exciting that the other stuff is happening too. It's exciting I'm making a living out of what I do. But uh, it's getting that balance right between the actual doing it and the maintaining of it, I think. I know, because I imagine when most of us start out doing artistic work, we don't think to ourselves, you know how I'd really love to spend my day packaging packages up for the post office <laughs> and waiting in long lines to send things. And um, making spreadsheets and entering in receipts and, you know, that all those maintenance things exactly. you talk about that um, are kind of this hidden thing that when you're imagining the future or what it will be like if you try this project or that, you don't always see those ahead of time. You don't always see them exactly. coming. Exactly. I kind of have this 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 hope that um, at some point I can have help with some of those extra bits, the things that take up so much time, and maybe then I can kind of have more time for getting back to the creative work. But I don't know. I'm kind of in that. I think I'm kind of in it 
a new in-between phase at the moment where kind of I'm yes, trying to get this balance right and I just think if there was a way of getting a little bit more help perhaps then I could spend more time with my pen and paper that would be lovely mm. um, I is it okay if I read a piece an excerpt from this the beanie of course this is from the beanie issue number three which is do you want to say something about this series that you did Okay, yes. Um, I started, when I first started blogging, I, I, I used to draw illustrated blog blog posts. So I used to write about how I was and I drew illustrated blog posts. And then I discovered a man called uh, Dan Price, who draws a, a, a regular zine and has done for about 20 years. And basically it's about his life. And I loved them and thought, I really want to do that. So I started making this thing called The Beanie. And basically it was like kind of like my blog but on paper. So it's just an illustrated journal of my life. And I've, I've made four of them up to now. I've had a bit of a gap. But I'm hoping to make a new one, a new one this year. So it's kind of, and also because the first one was made back in 2004, I think it's when I just started to draw. So the drawing, I hope, improves throughout the issues. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I love this for so many reasons. There, there's something so... Um, uh, I don't want it to sound condescending if I call it sweet, um, but there's no, just, um, yeah, just in your, the way you document your everyday, there's some like almost like a tenderness and a, an intimacy to it, even though you're talking about, you know, you're talking about your vacation, how it might not sound that exciting. Um, but there's, I, there's just something so human and so relatable in all of it that I just think, yeah, that's how I like to travel too. I like to sit in cafes and drink hot chocolate and just watch people <laughs> and just soak in the feeling of a place. But I did want to read um, a little excerpt from this, this issue here where you say, this is what you say. I can lose myself in a drawing quickly. I do find there's an initial protest from the analyzing part of my brain, the bit that loves to keep on thinking and worrying but after I firmly take a pen in hand and begin to draw, it has to start thinking about the shape of the things I'm looking at and how they relate to each other on the paper. Soon it has no choice but to stop its worrying. Interestingly, too, the worrying and overthinking stays away a good while after I finish drawing. And I love that. Um, I love that observation. And I think it's um, it's so true about so many of the ways in which we make things, just the simple act of making things, whether we're um, making a cup of tea or a meal or a drawing, that um, just having to focus on something right at hand, it almost has a meditative effect on the mind, right? I think that that's a really good word. I think it is. It is. It can be. I mean, all all creative things, including, as you say, the more mundane things like making tea, can be meditative. And for me, drawing definitely has been. And as you read that, actually, I, I realise that I miss that so much because at the moment I'm not having that, and I really want to get back to that. It's it actually feels quite emotional to hear you hear you read that because I don't remember writing it. Mm. So it's when I think, oh gosh, I used to think that and feel that. So I yes, I I definitely need to be uh, to get back into that place. I think. Well, I do want to talk about some of the other things you um you have been building as you talk about. <laughs> some of the other things that have come about as a result of your practice of just simply drawing your life and then 
inviting and encouraging others to do the same. Most of the men whose work I've encountered online, I just in general feel like they're having a different kind of conversation um, than the one that I'm having, which is what made it so striking when I found your work and resonated with it so deeply. So I've been doing some thinking about, okay, why is that? And what is that place of common ground? There seem to be a couple different distinctive paradigms emerging online. I think a lot of the conversations that fall, that often fall under a more entrepreneurial umbrella have a feeling, just an overall feeling to me of competition. And, um, and so they tend to be conversations about how to do more and better and faster to keep up with some, you know, some invisible (laughs) competitors or how to like pull ahead in some imaginary horse race and be noticed or be the best or the brightest. But then there's this other paradigm um, where I do find a lot of resonance that is less about competition and it's more about connection. And I think that's one thing that was striking to me when I found Sustainably Creative is that there on your website, you found a way to share your story and your practice. You have a regular podcast you do talking about doing one creative thing every day, but then you've also created a members forum. And so you're creating a whole community of people who are kind of coming together around this idea of pursuing a creative life with limited time and effort. And then because you're kind of in that paradigm, the conversation, instead of being about competition, there's space for like, really the theme of the conversation happening over there is this idea of sufficiency. And what's so comforting about hearing those messages every day is that I, I think when we are looking at the limits of what we can do and then we're steeped in the internet where there's so much conversation about <laughs> do more, do better, do yes. faster. Yes. That yes. there's a way that that can create a real tension. But if you're getting these encouraging messages every day saying, even if you can do one thing that that's sufficient for the day, who you are, what you're capable of, and that you're reminding people and people can just see by looking at the body of work that you've built up how those small daily things really build and snowball over time. Well, I'll let you into a bit of a secret. I think I have those conversations that kind of that that fight going on in my head all the time between that I should do more and that I need to look after myself. And the reason I make the podcast is as much for me, I think, as it is for people who listen to them, because I need to remind myself that I can go slowly. I can do one thing a day. Uh, Some days I can have a day off. And it is still possible over time to actually get somewhere because I used to panic when I was first ill. I was I panicked so much that I'd never, ever get where I wanted to be. And and the panic just makes things worse. The kind of the panic makes you try and go faster and you go faster. It's like riding a bike um, with the chains not on it. You're kind of the wheels that you're, you're pedaling and pedaling and pedaling, but you're not getting anywhere. You're just getting exhausted. And at some point, and I don't know when or why. I kind of realized that that just doesn't work, that I have to I have to take things slowly. I have to be kind to myself. But I still have that conversation in my head. I still have to kind of 
um, be quite firm with myself that I um, that I don't push myself. And sometimes I do push myself. Sometimes sometimes I do overdo things and uh, and then get reminded that uh, actually it doesn't work. Well, it's an interesting kind of accountability that you then create with your audience because when you yeah. if you do overdo it, people can hear it or you're telling yeah. everybody like, well, I hit my <laughs> limit and went right past it or whatever's the case. So that's really interesting too. So what has it been like for you to have that kind of response from other people? First for them to read your blog and resonate with it, but then for them to actually join you in this community that you're creating. It's been it's been really good. It's been really affirming, I think, that um because I suppose to realize there are people out there like me. Um that's really good for me, I think. It's really good to have um Gosh, I kind of think people really help me by being by being there and kind. And I've made some really really good friends through the through the through the website as well. And yeah, it's definitely a two way. It's definitely a two way thing. I think um, it's been it's been really it's been really good this week because this week I'd not been able to record podcasts and people have stepped in and recorded them for me. And that has been so good that the kind of there are people out there and they're kind of. Everyone's willing to help everybody, and that just feels so good. So it's been a really, really, really good thing for me that this, this community is growing, and hopefully it will continue to grow. I do hope so. I I think that seems quite likely. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, when you started, did you have any idea that this is how this path was going to end up? That no, here in the year 2013, you'd be hosting an online creative community and releasing this book around the world? No, not at all. I think um, it makes me, sh- a shudder is not the right word, but a kind of, I can feel the hairs in the back of my neck go up when I think about that, actually. If I think back to 10 years ago when I really couldn't do very much of anything, um, how kind of by just just doing what's possible and not pushing myself, that I actually get somewhere. Whereas before that, for years before that, I used to push and push and push and I never got anywhere. So it does, it's, yeah, it's good. So can you walk us through how all of that unfolded just a little bit? I can try. I think um, back in about 2004, I found two blogs. I found Dan Price's journals, which I, um, zines, which I just, I told you about earlier, but I also found Kerry Smith's website and um, Danny Gregory's website. And Danny Gregory's an artist. Um, and he, he actually kind of, in a very similar way to me, he, well, he did it first, but he kind of draws, he draws his life. He published a book called Everyday Matters, which was a huge turning point for me when I found his book. It was, he, he, he drew it um, not long after his wife had an accident and she was um, paralyzed. And suddenly he was he had to look after her and a very young child, and uh, the way he got through that was starting to draw and uh, I just loved his drawings. I loved the fact he was he was kind of he, he published a book full of what you might call bad drawings <clears throat> at least initially, and you kind of through the book you saw his drawings improve over quite a short period of time, and he was drawing the really ordinary things around him and that just struck a huge chord with me and i started to draw and then i found Kerry smith's website and at the same time that back at that time she was kind of doing she was kind of drawing quite 
quite simple things that she saw in front of her as well. But she was blogging about it. And I just loved the fact that she had this blog and that people were interacting with it. And I actually emailed her quite early on and she kind of emailed back and was very encouraging. Uh, so I set up a blog. and I, I, I started to draw. I used to make a small drawing most days and I wrote something. And up till then, <clears throat> I'd pretty much been in bed um, for a very long time. And it kind of gave me... Um, kind of a daily practice. I mean, I wouldn't always write and draw on the same day, but most days I'd do something. I'd, I'd write a little something, I'd draw a little something. And I realised that I could make a really small drawing in about 20 minutes. And if I did that, I felt like I'd accomplished something for the day. And that was just so life-affirming that I actually could do something. And I posted it online, and quite early on, someone asked to buy a drawing. And that felt really good as well and it just sort of and the, the, the blog kind of grew from that originally the blog was very much about my life and sort of my struggles with illness and sort of learning to draw and then over time it kind of became more generally about what it's about now kind of trying to build a sustainable life and just sort of slowly over time I kind of looked at ways that I could um, start to get an income from that I, mean, I originally started to write um, a weekly letter which I sent out to people I charged two dollars for a letter and that that worked quite well and then I sort of from that the kind of the idea of a membership site and building a community kind of grew um, and that's you know it's kind of over the last I don't know two or three years I think that's that's it's, it's kind of taken off the idea of this community um, and in the middle of that I went back to university and studied for an MA in fine art and uh, that made me feel like I was an artist <laughs> I don't know if kind of if my practice really changed over that time. In fact, I think I went off on a bit of a tangent. I did quite, my, my MA was quite conceptual. Um, but towards the end of it, I kind of came back to drawing. But there was something about that at the time that made me feel like I was an artist. And I don't, I don't think you need a piece of paper by any means to let you know you're an artist. But um, at the time, it felt important to me. So I kind of, it, it was kind of a bit of a turning point. Uh, the fact that I actually could do an MA as well was quite amazing. That I can actually physically... Um, managed to do it was 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 quite exciting as well. I did it part time, but I did do it. Um, and then the kind of yeah, I came back. From, I came away from that. I th originally, when I finished the MA, I was going to go on and do a PhD, and I had this kind of huge debate with myself about which way to take things. Uh, and in the end, I went back to the blog and the website and kind of decided that's where I was going to put my energy and my time, uh, which is what I've been doing now. I suppose I think probably. I think it was probably four years ago I finished the MA. So I've kind of been putting my time and energy in the web, into the website and building the community since then. And, and then, actually, I suppose the, the really exciting bit was about 18 months ago when I got a tweet um, from an editor at Penguin in New York saying he wanted to publish, publish a book. Um, and I didn't actually believe didn't believe it at the time but I kind of decided to follow follow his link back and realized who he was. And, uh, and yes, he asked me to, to make the book. So uh, I kind of was very exciting. <laughs> so tell us what that's been like now, kind of being on the other side of releasing that. And it's been it. very strange. It's been very strange. It was the, the kind of being asked to make the book was really exciting. The making the book was, um, was very exhausting. And, um, <sighs> yes, but yeah, I don't know. I've kind of, it's, it's taken me quite away from the from my creativity i think um it's been this bit of it isn't as exciting as i thought it was going to be i don't know <laughs> do, do you do you i presume you, you must have it over there in the states murder she wrote yes um, my daughter reflection. loves it 
<laughs> I love Murder, she wrote, but that's kind of my image of an author, this person swanning around, having a wonderful time doing book promotions and things. That's kind of how I imagine. I, mean, I didn't exactly imagine that would be life as an author, but it's that's kind of the core of what I thought I thought kind of being an author was like. But but it's not. So. <laughs> That is so funny. Um, so you're not doing lots of bicycling and time at the typewriter? Sadly not. No, no. I've got I've got a typewriter actually. Perhaps I should sit and sit and sit and clank on it for a while. That would be good. I live in a very very hilly place, so cycling's hard. And you've you've also done some e-books and e-courses. Is that right? Yes. Um, I kind of started actually. Yes. Sort of um, when I sort of started to concentrate on the website I, I wrote a couple of ebooks um one about being sustainably creative and then one that kind of grew out of the letters that i was sending out about kind of finding ways to get what i call our important work done and when i say important work i don't mean something grandiose but something that's important to us and ways of kind of um focusing on the one thing that's really important in our work and just doing that so i wrote a book about that as well and run uh run a few courses on the website and i've got more courses um, lined up to start soon as well um i do find actually um i really love um teaching courses i really really enjoy doing that so i want to do i want to do more of that and the internet's such a good way to do that yeah especially when we're spread so far and wide Exactly, exactly. I have, I have done some teaching. Uh, when I did my MA, I did some teaching at the university, and I've also done some teaching um, in an art centre here in Aberystwyth, which I've really enjoyed. But there's something so exciting about to, how to reach people all over the world. And, uh, yeah, that's really, that's really good. So definitely want to do more of that. Um, one, one thing that um, your story makes me think a lot about is that I've been thinking a lot about time, I, I just think that there's a way where we think that there's, we have to do things so quickly and, um, and that there's a way that when you do things over time, like people forget that that's a variable that can work in your favor when you're building a body of work, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's about, it's about trust. I think, I think the only way we can learn to trust that process is, is to try it. And I think for the longest time, I was too scared to see if going slowly actually would result in in stuff working out. But as soon as you do do it and you find that it does, uh, you really can learn to trust that it does. And it's much easier then to um, to do it, I think. I mean, it's when I look back now and I look back to how kind of frenetic I used to be, I find it hard quite hard to believe, really, that I was that I was that that stupid almost, I think, because I made myself ill. Um, but it felt like the only way to do it. I think it's interesting what you said about kind of how the internet kind of has that kind of, it, it focuses on that a lot, I think, the kind of the being productive and doing more is kind of re is certainly a really big part of the internet that I see. Um, and it often does feel like it's the only way. Um, but I think a lot of people get caught up in the kind of the process of, of doing more, the kind of how to kind of how to kind of make lists or how to kind of um, get things done without without actually doing it. So if you kind of strip away all the kind of complexity and systems, you actually have a lot more time and, and energy left anyway, so which you can kind of make use of. And um, that feels like <laughs> once you've done that, it feels like a no brainer. But actually trusting to take that step um, is quite difficult, I think. And then to let things build, because I think, you know, when I read this passage earlier and you said you didn't remember writing it, 
Like you wrote this in 2006 and yet it's found its way to my hands in 2013. Like to know that the work that we're doing, that there's a quality where it can kind of endure over time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that's real. That's, that's real. It's like it is. I, I remember when I was very ill, I had a really good friend who said to me that I was I was sowing seeds for the future. And at mm. the time, I really didn't believe her. But that's true. I mean, I think the things I was doing back then have grown into the things I'm doing now. And hopefully the things I'm doing now will continue to grow. And that's one of the best things about getting older, as terrified as I used to be about getting older. One of the best things of that is you kind of you realize you can you can get somewhere over over a period of time and i'm a firm believer that kind of if you stick to something it almost doesn't matter what you do but if you stick to it eventually you will get somewhere um because i think part of when i was being frenetic and working really hard at things i was changing all the time i was trying different things i was trying to if something didn't work i'd try something different uh and it feels so much easier to to pick something and then to just 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 keep going and uh in a way, I think that's kind of the central thing for me. I think the fact that I, the drawing became the thing that I did and I just kept doing it. Um, but it could have been anything, really. I, could have, I think I could have picked anything. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, and I noticed that in myself, too. Like, there have even been projects where I've just... I've done them quickly and then moved on. <laughs> and then they've just kind of disappeared, you know? Yeah. Um, because there was that same kind of frenetic busyness and like trying all these different things instead of um instead of letting things have a slower build um yeah i think there's this feeling uh that a lot of people have that when you introduce something to the world that it has like a very small window like some people even say 90 days in which it's gonna like yeah fly or fall and yet time after time there are all these stories of different types of conversations that are a much slower burn that over time are like taking hold. And like you were saying, you were talking about starting your, the kind of membership part of your site and how even that took a little time for the community piece to really take hold. You know how even with that, you're noticing how something happens when you keep offering what you're offering over time that you wouldn't have seen if you had just tried it for 12 months and then shut it down. It's really interesting. Cause I think one of the, one of the things about the fact I was probably in bed, I mean, not, not, not literally always in bed, but I spent a lot of time in bed for about three years and it really does kind of change your perception of time. Um, and you know, if I got back then, if I got one thing done in a week, I'd feel good about myself. Um, so you kind of think, in, I, I used to think in terms of years, I remember thinking when I was very ill, I really need a year off, I need to rest for a year. And, and that didn't feel like a big piece of time to me because it felt like the only thing I could do was rest for a year. Um, so I think I learned then that, um, that time is, that it, it, the time, the time does move slowly if you let it. Um, I mean, it could, I mean, a year. I mean, I, I, I could still feel jealous about what people could do in a year, and that I couldn't. But at the same time, it also can feel like this huge, expansive, restful time as well. I think, and that there are possibilities within it. And of course, if you are rushing, a year can a year can fly by as well. I mean, people that perhaps get a lot done in a year may well not have noticed that year, whereas mm-hmm. you know, perhaps moving slowly through it, you're actually you're actually noticing it and living it and really, really being aware of it. 
and and that's a good thing I think it certainly it certainly was a good thing for me yeah there's a way I always feel like if I can bring my presence to the moment that I'm in it feels like I can stretch time just by paying yeah. attention to it um and doesn't it have that feeling of slipping through your fingers yeah um so I want to let people know where they can find your work. Um, your new book, Drawing Your Life, it's available on Amazon and where else? It's well, hopefully it's available just about anywhere. It should be in in all good bookshops, book as they say. Yes. It should be, yeah. It should be. It should be. It should hopefully, hopefully be everywhere, which is very exciting. But yes, online it's available on Amazon and and uh, and bought. Isn't there Barnes and Noble? Is it Barnes and Noble in the US? Yes. I get very muddled with the US stores. But yeah, I mean, kind of all the kind of and the book depository as well. Um, but hopefully in your favourite real world bookshop too. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Do go down there. <laughs> and we can find you online at sustainablycreative.com where people can yep, right. hear your podcasts and read all about um, the membership portion of your site yes. as well. Please, which I will personally vouch over. for is a tremendous value. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. I am so happy to have come across you and your work at just the right time. I've already sent some of my online friends your direction. And um, I'm just really thankful that you took the time to talk to me today. Oh, thank you, Jen. It's been, it's been lovely to talk to you. It's been really, really good. So thank you very much for, for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Retrospective. I'm your host, Jen Lee. Meet me back here for more conversations and stories about where we are and how we got here on Retrospective.